0: The Accidental Engineer. Welcome all, Max of The Accidental Engineer here. Today we have the pleasure of being joined by Sumeru Chatterjee, okay. otherwise known as Sumo. Uh, Sumo has a background in customer education, most recently at Adapar, the uh, wealth management SaaS product. Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah. Although you are soon to be starting a new job. Yeah, I'm very uh, excited
1: um, to be starting also. Thank you for having me. And, absolutely. Yeah. yeah um, I'm in the customer education world, and that's what I do. That's kind of my uh, role, and I'll be starting a new role pretty soon in the city um, at an AI company called Gong, so very excited about that.
0: Right on, right on. We'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment. But to start, for our audience that don't know about customer education, do you mind sharing what the heck customer education is?
1: Yeah, I'm still figuring that out, but I'll I'll try to introduce it as much as I can.
0: So if you are familiar with
1: enterprise SaaS software, um, a big part of, um, you know B2B SaaS or just uh, SaaS in general is making sure that you take care of your customers who bought your product because this is a uh, recurring business, right? right? Where you're, uh, it's a monthly or quarterly or annually recurring contract that most software vendors have with their partners and with their clients. So you want to make sure not only can you sell the software to a lot of people, but you want to make sure that you, their uh, customers are taken care of, right? And so about 10 years or so ago, customer success kind of started as a function within SaaS and became really popular. Now it's a pretty well-established function. Most people who work in software understand the role and the value of customer success. Uh, But a lot of the customer success work revolves around adoption, which is making sure that not only do the customers feel happy, but they can actually use the product, they feel knowledgeable enough and comfortable enough to actually get value out of the product and so a lot of customer success managers CSMs as they call them for short find themselves kind of repetitively uh, teaching new users of the product how to use it showing them how to navigate it showing them the value and kind of find themselves just repeating this process again and again as and when new customers come so at some point in the maturity of a SaaS company it makes sense to take out those education adoption functions And concentrate them into a specific function called customer education and the people who are in the in this role their goal is to make sure that the product gets adopted by new users that new users understand not only how to use the product but why to use the product and when to use the product Um, and so it's an entire function dedicated to just um, you know adoption and scale so one of my mentors and friends um, Adam Abramescu, who heads customer education at Slack now, he calls customer education the rocket fuel for CSMs.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think we have never had a CSM, a customer su- success manager, on the show yet, uh, but that distinction is super important to make. One of the reasons I want to emphasize to our audience that you're an awesome guest to have on, Sumo, <laughs> is to point out also that you started a community around customer education, CustomerEducation.org, yeah. uh, which has international chapters in five countries, yeah. and an active Slack group. If people are curious to hear about the types of things that customer education uh, specialists are working on, uh, what are what's kind of the background that brings people to this role within startups and tech companies?
1: Yeah. Um, so great. What are great questions? And you know. I love that I'm on the accidental engineer because I I think of myself as the accidental customer educationist. Um, So if you think about kind of what enterprise SaaS people in general do, especially in the customer success world, you know as customer success became more and more prevalent, there was a strong community around that. There are a lot of these conferences that happen, like Pulse, that bring CSMs or CS managers from across the board together. And so when I started my role, I didn't find that or I didn't really have that venue of these massive conferences. There are a couple of events and a couple of uh, you know folks on LinkedIn, but really it wasn't a community as such. And so I found myself kind of learning or wanting to ask questions to learn how to do this job, but didn't really find kind of the avenue. And that's really what um, got me to start CustomerEducation.org. And you know, as you mentioned, we have chapters in multiple countries and multiple states all over the U.S. So if you think about your question was how do people end up in this world, right? And, and most of the answer is kind of accidentally. So
0: nice,
1: uh, good fit <laughs> with, the, with the theme here. They come from a lot of different backgrounds. So one of the main backgrounds is you might be a CSM and you find yourself, you know, you have 40 clients or 40 accounts that you're supposed to take care of, but you're finding most of your time is going in, in educating new customers. And so if you're somebody who's really passionate about teaching or, or education, and you are a CSM, that might be one uh, entry into, into the role, which is kind of my background. Um, a lot of other people come from instructional design. So that is an actual academic skill set where people learn about how to build curriculum, how to teach adults, how uh, about learning theory and, and how adults learn differently than children. And so if you, if you have a background in kind of formal education, instructional design, which is kind of the art and science of building instructional content, that might be another, uh, another common background. Or the third type of background is is, is somebody who's just in, uh, in an organization, early part of the organization, and finds themselves doing a lot of product marketing or kind of pr- uh, product promotion type of work, where you're doing webinars or you're hosting uh, you know, events in person or online where you're building you know people together and you're getting them excited about your particular product. That might be another background from which you come to customer education?
0: I think it would be really cool to cover the relationship that exists between customer educators in a company and the product team. And I realize that in a great deal of situations, product owners or managers act as kind of a, a force that uh, is a line of communication between the rest of a business's employees and maybe the designers and engineering resources. So. I'd like to get to that point about what, how do customer educators interact with the software engineers at tech companies? Yeah. Uh, but before that, uh, I was kind of curious about the types of tools that a customer educator uses. I think a lot of our, a lot of our audience, if not at their jobs, maybe as customers of a software product are familiar with maybe knowledge bases that, uh, th- that they're directed to and they have a customer support. Claim or ticket. Yeah. Uh, how? What's the next step in terms of cu- what customer educators provide to customers beyond uh, maybe a knowledge base?
1: Perfect. Okay. So let me try and take this answer in a little uh, you know different way. So let me ask you a question. Right? Do you know how to use Photoshop, for
0: example? Yeah,
1: a little yeah, bit. Right. Okay, a little <laughs> bit. Right. Um, how How did you learn the Photoshop that you do know?
0: Probably YouTube
1: videos. YouTube videos. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about Photoshop, right, it's a really it's a really deep product, right? Uh, But you can also use it to just convert a photo to black and white, right? So you you have this one use case, which is just, I have a photo, I want it to turn black and white, and you can use Photoshop for that, all the way to the point where you can build an entire career on Photoshop, right? And so if you think about Photoshop, really deep product, and the learning around Photoshop is a pretty deep learning experience, all the way from a simple Google search to kind of professional college level you know, Adobe or a Photoshop classes that you might take. And so designing that experience of, for every type of learner of Photoshop is what somebody at Adobe who's in customer education, uh, what their job is, right? And they happen to be friends of mine, so I know they do a fantastic <laughs> job. Um, and, and so at a high level, the, the, the kind of calling or the job of a customer educationist is to design the full experience of all types of learners for all jobs on one product, right? So the, the way, the mediums they use, the channels they use for education really can vary. And the tools they use to build those experiences can also really vary, right? So you mentioned knowledge base, which is kind of uh, probably, the, as you mentioned, the most commonly understood where you have this you know site and you're searching for how do I do X or uh, maybe you're watching a quick video on uh, just how to re- navigate a certain uh, technology tool. So that's one aspect, right, which is knowledge base and then you have another aspect which is a more formal training program like um, like an online course for example if you're familiar with Coursera or some of these you know online MOOCs where they have kind of a structured learning experience that's another area of customer education typically uh, built on top of a learning management system so that's one of the big tools that we use in our work which organizes kind of a learner profile and the learner journey and sees how a person is progressing across different courses and Maybe you give them badges and maybe you give them certifications as kind of incentives to keep moving. So you have your knowledge base, then you have your LMS or your learning management system. You might have some in-app kind of small guides or walkthroughs that allow a user to just click through and learn certain things. So you might do a lot of in-app stuff that's kind of a newer area of customer education which is gaining a lot of traction. So those are three main avenues. Um, and the fourth one might be a more informal learning experience. For example, building a community amongst your different customers where they can ask each other questions or use some kind of a stack overflow type of system where they ask questions and the upvote and downvote answers. So there's community-based learning, there's formal learning, there is your in-app walkthrough learning, and then you have your knowledge base, which is a search learning. And you can combine all four of these into a kind of a cohesive You know, online academy or just like online uh, learning center, which a lot of customers or a lot of tech companies are doing as well.
0: A lot of our audience might not know that there's an aspect to customer education that could entail traveling to the customer physically and being on premise in a customer's offices maybe and sitting with them at the keyboard. I mean, I realize there's a dimension to that that might be required in terms of the sales cycle and sales process of you know really getting a customer to buy in and sign the contract for a sale but for our audience i might be curious about just how far they should take shadowing a customer uh, i realize this is a case-by-case basis but what's kind of a framework for uh, our audience to think about how to engage with customers
1: yeah that's a great question and i think we're still kind of figuring out the answers to that as we go uh, in the previous question i mentioned kind of four learning types or four learning mechanisms the fifth one obviously that I, I left out is, is the one you mentioned is kind of the in-classroom in, in classroom experience either on-site or where the customers come on board. And there's a lot of experimentation, a lot of cool things that are happening here. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you kind of think of these boring classrooms with boring PowerPoints where everyone's like falling asleep, but people are really re- revitalized and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of excitement and energy around in, uh, in-person in experiences because at the end of the day. You know, a lot of people learn best when they're with somebody in person and they might not want to do an online course or search for themselves. So, a lot of work being done there. I think, you know, generally speaking, customer educations lean towards things that are repeatable. So, instead of going on premise where you are spending all your time with one customer, maybe you're designing experiences that are in big cities where customers can come together and meet up in kind of a small conference setting or like a more personal, uh, you know, learning lab setting so there's a lot of like kind of in-person labs that are happening these user meetups so a lot of work goes on but for the most part in customer success any kind of customer success you want to have repeatable and scalable processes right so the more time you're spending customers one-on-one you know it, it does take away time from other customers that you could be spending so obviously for your largest most complex enterprise clients that's something you may have to do But for our regular kind of what we consider mid-market or mid-tier segments, you really want to have scalable experiences. And the upside of that is when you bring a lot of different customers in one room together, you'll notice that they actually learn the most from each other, right? So you don't have to do much work because they're asking their peers and colleagues how they're using your tool and kind of learning trading notes. And that's kind of the most exciting part of being in person. Um, So lots of work happening there as well.
0: Definitely, that's something I at least observe in software engineering a ton is people who are early in their learning journeys are oftentimes the best educators. Yep. I mean, they're just aware or better aware of the beginner mindset and what the problems were as a beginner than somebody who might no longer be a beginner for sure.
1: 100%. And the best way to learn, you know, as I say, is to teach. So when we get people in the classroom together, we'll ask them to teach each other. And that's how most of the learning happens as well.
0: I realized that some of the discussion about best practices of customer education are probably happening within customereducation.org and, and, the meetups you guys have and the online conversations that happen on the Slack group. But what are, what are kind of the most popular topics of discussion in the customer education community? Great, great question. And I wanted to
1: kind of just clarify what we do here. So, uh, you know, I started customereducation.org about two and a half years ago. It was just three or four people do trade notes. And this is kind of people who have this role in different companies, or maybe are discovering that they actually have this role and they didn't even know it, um, and, and you know are accidentally finding themselves in the role. Um, since then, the community has grown to more than four hundred people across you know all over the U.S., but also a couple of international chapters. And we have vendors um, as well as practitioners, um, and as well as consultants all in this community. And uh, you know lots of conversations happening. We've exchanged more than I don't know, twenty thousand messages uh, this year, and. there's kind of a couple of themes, right? So the first theme is, hey, I've heard about customer education. I think I'm doing this job. Um, Am I doing this job? So it's it's a lot of just kind of validation of, um, am I the only one out there, right? And so there's a lot of feeling for people who are new to this role saying, I feel like I'm the only person doing this. I just want to connect with other people who might have similar situations. So that's one big theme. The second big theme which is, you kind of briefly touched on is people because this is a new, uh, you know, kind of relatively new skill set or a relatively new part of customer success. People want to know how they're building tech stacks. So they want, they're reaching out and saying, hey, what are you using to track your learner journeys? Or what are you using? How are you, uh, you know, what, are you, what tools are you using to build content? Are you outsourcing it? Or are you insourcing it? What tools are you using? To uh, deliver content so a lot of around kind of just tool talk and the third which is a newer and more exciting aspect of customer education is people really want to dive into analytics and outcomes right so one of the kind of uh, challenges with customer education is that some of the work we might do may sound a little fuzzy right like how do you know that you're being effective how do you know that you're generating roi for the company right Um, Education sounds great, but is the education actually worth it, right? Is a client or customer who uses education more likely to renew? Are they a better user of the product? So how do you measure these things? How do you verify whether you're effective? How do you calculate your ROI to the business? And how do you go back, to at the end of the day, how do you go back to your CEO and say, hey, this job is effective and and this role is important in the company. So that's probably the biggest, kind of most debated uh, part of,
0: customer education. Right on. I, we'll get to the tools in a second, which is something I'm curious about, but first, who are these people who are coming in and wondering if they themselves are customer educators? What, what kind of job titles do they have and that are having this epiphany that they're actually customer educators?
1: Yeah. And, and that's kind of like the most fascinating part of the community is just like you know hearing these stories of, of how people fall into this role. Um, as I mentioned briefly before, a lot of them are CSMs, customer success managers. Um, who are finding themselves doing this often and often and because they're maybe naturally good teachers or speakers their colleagues and their peers volunteer them for more and more of these experiences Um, some of them are product content writers who write the help site painstakingly you know day one of the company but then go from writing the help site articles to the support faqs and then graduate from the support faqs to small tool like tip uh, you know kind of quick hit videos graduate from videos to creating full courses and then ultimately graduate from creating courses to creating certification programs. And then two years later they're like, whoa, I what happened? <laughs> you know, I'm now a customer educationist. And the third one, which we briefly touched on, was actually product managers, PMs, who um, you know, who have this opinion that you can't just build good products, you have to actually drive adoption. And so I could be the greatest PM designing the best feature ever, but if no, nobody ever used that feature, then what good was it? So a lot of these PMs who come to us and say, um, you know, I started off as a PM, I was designing a lot of product, but then I got curious and interested in how these products or features are being actually used and how do we track and measure successful outcomes on the usage and how, we, how do we drive adoption? And lo and behold, I find myself as a customer educationist. So lots of different backgrounds.
0: Got it. So tools-wise, what are, what are, we mentioned knowledge bases, learning management systems, LMS. What are, what are some of the tools in the Customer Educator Toolbox?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, it's an ever-expanding list, and it's, you know, it's hard to uh, keep track. And so one thing we do in the community is help people uh, kind of narrow down and choose their tech stack and choose their tools. That's a big part of the community is, is helping each other. Um, as I said, the, the learning management system is kind of, the you know, g- generally speaking, the, the biggest tool set. Uh, to give you a little bit of context, there are more than 700 vendors of just the LMS itself. So there's a lot of choice out there and and kind of choosing the right one for you. Uh, Content authoring is a big one. So when you're producing content, whether that's video content or self-guided instructions or courses or virtual labs, case studies, you need to produce that content and author that content using video tools, audio tools, um, and and specifically e-learning content authoring tools. So that's a big one. And then the skill set is kind of expanding. there are these new protocols around um, XAPI, which is how you how we track uh, learner engagement and learner analytics. So there's a lot of these, uh, you know, tools around uh, how to track a learner journey and what, st- uh, what what action statements get passed into a learning record store. So a lot of the things around XAPI and kind of tracking mm-hmm. that's a, probably a big one. And the last one is not really a tool set, but it's kind of a mindset. It is that at the end of the day, customer education managers are still designing right and so they are still designing learning experiences so all the experiential design tools that apply to either UX design or just pure communication design also apply to um, customer education so just principles of UX principles of visual design principles of communication design all are super important kind of skill sets to have
0: this reminds me a great deal of a very successful startup Zapier uh, they they grew their business primarily through SEO, I believe, and it there it th- makes me think about the example we talked about earlier with Photoshop and making a, a photo go from color to black and white. That's a, that's the a prime example of maybe content that if made publicly available, someone could discover that oh, Photoshop is the tool to convert photos from black and, from color to black and white. Yeah, and I know this is probably uh, not the topic <laughs> that that maybe comes to mind with, for CSMs or our customer education managers uh, as they're writing their support content. But is there some attribution to the content that customer education managers put together when it comes to driving new customers and like driving sales that otherwise wouldn't ha- have happened if it wasn't documented that the product does a certain thing?
1: Yeah. Great question, and I'm you know I'm, I'm so excited that you asked me this <laughs> uh, because I feel like we don't talk about this enough. So I think there's a big paradigm shift that's happening in in just uh, in, in SaaS and how that SaaS is sold and used. Right, a lot of companies are going from the mindset that we want to teach how to use our product, or we want to make our product the best product in the market, and shifting that focus from saying how do we make our user or a potential user a better version of themselves right? So it's, you're saying you're not selling a tool, right you're selling a better version of your customer right? mm. So nobody wants to buy Photoshop. People want to be a better visual designer or a better photographer mm. right And so when that when you make that mind shift or when you make, make that kind of you know, shift, customer education has to change from saying, this is how you use my product to saying, this is how you do your job better. Oh, and by the way, our product is a good way to do so. Hmm. So some really good examples that come to mind um, are companies, I'm just gonna name a few and you may or may not have heard of them. Um, Optimizely is a big one, HubSpot um, is another one and you know, Salesforce is obviously a pioneer in this space. So if you think about Optimizely, they're a A B kind of testing, experiment, online experimentation company. And so their learning is really focused on saying, um, not how you do, uh, you know, how do you use Optimizely better? It's saying, how do you become a better experimenter? Um, if you're designing web experiences, or if you're designing websites, um, how can you get experimentation a core part of your process? Oh, and by the way, Optimizely happens to be a good tool to do so. Uh, with HubSpot, a lot of it is like, how do you do marketing better or social marketing better? Oh, and by the way, HubSpot happens to be a good tool to use. And so we're, making, we're seeing that shift. Um, and because we're seeing that shift happen pretty dramatically, a lot of customer education is now focused on pre-sales efforts. So at Adapar, which was my previous employer, uh, we, our customer education team partnered very closely with our sales team to host these pseudo-training events that were only open to prospective customers. So it was a training session, and it was a kind of experience designed to show you how to be a better wealth manager and by the way, the tool that was powering that experience happened to be Adapar. So a lot of people would come attracted to that uh, training to just learn about how to be a better wealth manager, how to be more efficient, how to use technology. And that's how they discovered Adapar as a tool um, of choice. And, and that made Adapar seem like a, you know, we, we were presenting ourselves as a thought leader in the wealth management space, not only just in, uh, you know, specifically the technology itself. So mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of that happening We're seeing a lot of these people lead with saying, this is how you do your job better in the industry as a whole. Our tool is just a small aspect of it, but they're really leading with the thought leadership and that creates a really good cycle within sales, marketing, and then finally customer success.
0: Yeah, I know this is a huge topic in sales, is like sales collateral and like how to take a cold lead and inform them or make them engaged with the pitch in the first place. Uh, and I see a lot of opportunity where customer education is, you know, dovetails really closely with marketing and sales and driving revenue for businesses. Yes, yeah, and that's already
1: happening. Right, it's already mm. happening. A lot of customers or a lot of um, of my peers in our customer education or our community already doing this. Uh, you can, and we're tracking the difference between prospects who go through training versus don't go through training. And we, you know, at Adapar, we know that. Um, you know, our close rate of prospects who came to training was 2x of prospects who did not attend any training event.
0: I want to emphasize that. (laughs) Uh, Can you saying that again?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we we noticed, uh, well, technically the number is prospects who attended a training event before buying uh, close at 1.7 or 1.8 times uh, probability than prospects who never attended any training, right? Obviously, there's a little bit of bias there because people who come to training are probably generally more excited and more... Uh, eager anyway and you know but for the most part you have to avoid those and just focus on correlation right you can't prove causation anyway so you say wow if somebody's coming to training and they're more likely to buy the product that means they should come to training and that's a good experience
0: Hmm. yeah i i think there's a ton of specifics we could get into about the types of programs that customer educators can run in terms of you know adding steps uh, to maybe the sales process or the post-sales process. Uh, the thing we haven't touched yet is how customer education managers interact with maybe the software engineers on a software product. Uh, what's what's the feedback loop look like? I mean, uh, it sounds like customer education managers have a ton more exposure to maybe, if not in person with customers, at least the data about how customers are using a product than software engineers. So. What's the, what's the feedback loop look like between the two teams? Yeah,
1: yeah fantastic question. You know, I think, and it, it, it's, it changes as a company goes in maturity, right? So if you think about it, uh, you know, in a very early small startup, right, the engineer who's building the product will be the most knowledgeable about the product because he's kind of the PA, he or she is the PM as well as the engineer, right? So that's just one person. At some point in the maturity, you, you start hiring product managers and uh, their job is to, you know, interface on the product side and then let engineering really focus on the build side, right? Um, and, and, for the, and, and during that time, PMs will be the most knowledgeable people about the product. Then as a company matures, you start having CSMs, right? And CSMs are int- directly interfacing with their clients and PMs might become more, uh, you know, focused on one area of the product or versus the other. And so then CSMs end up becoming the most knowledgeable about the use of the product in day-to-day. And then at some point of the maturity, you end up with customer educationists. And their job is to actually be product experts and work with product experts and work with clients and really drive that adoption and uh, you know, that, that um, inclusion of the product into the customer's life. And they become the most uh, knowledgeable about the product. And most, more, kind of more specifically, they are the most knowledgeable people in the company about how a new person interacts with the product, right? So what when I'm a first time log or you know logging to the product, what am I excited about? What do I get nervous about? What's really complicated? What what confuses me? That kind of insight is usually strongly held within customer education. And a good uh, customer education team or you know a manager, their, their role is to really take that feedback both analytically, you know, both kind of quantitative feedback as well as qualitative feedback that they get from surveys or or NPS scores and then pass that feedback back to the PMs as well as the engineers to say, hey, our new feature that you just released was used by a thousand people and here's how 700 of them thought about it and here's what confused them and we can see drop-offs in this part of the product. So they kind of, in a lot of ways, are playing the role of product uh, product analytics teams of hybrid PMs but really driving being the voice of the client I think one of the big uh, things that you know gets me out of bed in the morning is to say when I show up to work I want to be the voice of the client whether that voice is a happy voice or a angry voice or somewhere in between right and so passing that voice of the new user or new learner back to the PMs is a bigger aspect of the job
0: for sure for sure well for our audience that uh, might be curious about getting involved in customereducation.org I recommend they check out the website. Yeah. I will include links in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of Sumo, uh, check them out on LinkedIn. We'll also include a link there. Uh, but otherwise, Sumo, thank you for coming on. Thank
1: you, and thanks for having customer education on the, on the docket.